0: Today is one of my favorite sundays of the year um, part of that is because our college students are joining us and there's just something about the joy and the hope and the passion that that you all bring to the table and we just miss you um, during the school year when you're not here and so there, or during the summer when you're not here um, and, and so there's something just really fun about having you back and, and your optimism and and that, that we just need and, and so we're so excited to have you back and um, and, and so part of the reason I'm excited about today is because our college students are bad. but part of the reason I'm excited is because when we get done today, we're gonna have an opportunity for anyone who wants to to, to join a small group, and, and we call them house churches. And so today when we get done, we're gonna have pizza, and we're gonna um, have our leaders just kinda hanging out, and that's why these signs are kinda around the room in the back, the different parts of town. And, and, and we do this because we really believe that there's something valuable about um, going through life with a few other people and just opening up um, with, with, with them. And so. You know, I was thinking about our, our house churches. And I don't know if you grew up in a part of a church or if you've been a part of this church for a while, but our, our small groups are not just something that we do as an add-on. It's not like, hey, Sundays are the important thing and then small groups are just something else that you just kind of do on the side. No, our, our, our small groups are or where we really try to live out our mission. And so there's this conversation that, that Jesus had in Matthew chapter 22. And this man walks up to him, and he says, hey, Jesus, of all the commandments, what is the most important commandment? And, and Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And, and you would think that, oh, that's a great answer, Jesus. That's, that's exactly right. But, but there's something that happened. Jesus doesn't stop there, he says. And, and the second is like it. And the guy's going, wait a minute, I didn't ask what are the two things, but, but Jesus says, no, it's the second is right there with it. And it's that you love your neighbor just as you love yourself. You see, because Jesus understood that there was just something really powerful about happening, that, that we're not meant to go through this life and be these spiritual people that, that do things all by ourselves, but that we're, we need each other. Are you okay, bud? Do you want to go lay down? Okay, I'm going to go sit in your chair. It's going to be a rough day. Are we gonna hang together? You guys gonna give me grace for today with this little man? So Jesus is having this conversation and, and he understood that it's, it's about loving the Lord and it's about loving people. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because I think it gives this beautiful picture of, of people who aren't just trying to, to love God and tune out the rest of the world because that's impossible. And you can't just love people because that's a humanitarian. And, and following Jesus is so much more than just being a nice person. And so Jesus kind of connects these things together. So you want to go lay down? Why don't you go back in the back and Miss Rachel will help you where the kids are, Okay. I'm sorry, bud. Curveballs—you get thrown them every once in a while, and uh, I'm not distracted at all. In case you could <laughs> could tell, Whew, I need I need my community right now. So, um, so today, what I want to do is I want to look at First Corinthians chapter twelve, and I want to talk about some of the blessings that come. Um, through stepping in community through through us being a group of people that say you know what um, I think Jesus actually knew what he was talking about that there is something about loving God and loving people and, and so I want to talk about the blessings but I also want to spend some time talking about some of the barriers that we face like in 2018 things that keep us from from really stepping in and being all in with with God and God's people and so you know I was thinking about this time in my life my senior year of college have been out of college for a long time now and and, but I remember my senior year, and it, it was the hardest class that I took in all of college. And, and so we were gearing up for finals. It was, um, it was April. And our theology professor, we, we came to him, and we kind of had this idea. We were like, hey, I'm not going to say his name. Um, but what if, what if we threw, what if we did a communal final exam? And he's like, what do you mean by that? We're like, well, what if we take the test out loud verbally altogether, together? And whatever, whatever we get, we all get the same grade. And, you know, so he's entertained this idea. He's like, I kind of like that. And he's like, I could fail all my students, right? And put you all in your place. And, and he, was, he was intrigued by the conversation. And so, you know, we're going, we have this incredibly hard class. There are really smart people in our class and there are people like me in the class. And so if we can get the smart people to answer the hard questions, people like me can take the easier questions and we'll be okay. And so he took the bait and it was so amazing i've i've never had an experience like that before where we realized this teacher was like going to allow us to step into this. And so we, we kind of broke up all the, the material the whole semester's worth. Hey, you studied this part, you study, you'd be a master of this part. And, and, and we, we prepped for it and we studied all night together and we showed up the day of, of finals. And I've never been more lighthearted, more peaceful, more joyful about taking a final. I don't know if that's the word that you would use to describe taking finals. It was not the word that I would use to describe up until that point. And, and you prepared because you realized that other people were affected, and you showed up and, 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 and we studied together because it was, it was fun. It was so much more than just about the test. It was about the people that you were going through this and, 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 and there was something so beautiful about it. You miss a question and not everyone in the class is mad at you because there's so much grace. And I look back on that test, and I think we made an A, maybe a B. We killed it. Um, but there was, there was something about that that was just a really fun time. And I was thinking about just kind of our spiritual community and what it is that we're after. You know, are, are we trying to go through this life just muscling it through all by ourselves, pretending like we have it together? Or... Do we go, man, maybe God has a better story in mind for us. You know, maybe this isn't just about me. Maybe it's about the people that are sitting next to me and the people who are out there who don't yet know my God. And I wonder how differently we live when we quit just living for ourselves. But for the people next to us. I wonder the the peace and the the lack of anxiousness and fear that God wants to give us in community that, that is available to us. Not because hard things don't come our way, but because we know that we have a community of people that love Jesus, that are wanting to hold us up, that can catch us when we fall. I go, who doesn't want to be a part of a community like that? When we sin? When we miss it? We have a community that doesn't look at us and say, you should have done better. You're out. No, but a community that goes, you know what? I've been there too. And if I can be included in this family, so can you. And I go, what in the world would keep us from stepping into this community? You know, I love, I was reading 1 Corinthians 12. I think the Lord just put this text on my heart. Um, Two things that I think, two barriers that we see, and there are probably a million barriers, but just for today, maybe the things that the Lord wanted us to to think about. The the first is this, a barrier that would keep us from experiencing this kind of community is the lies, the lies that we tell ourselves. The lies that we tell ourselves. And so you see this in verse 15 and 16. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And I was just reading this this week and thinking about how many lies we tell ourselves that keep us from living the life that God wants us to live in community. You know, maybe you wouldn't, you've wouldn't. you read this passage before. Maybe this is the first time you've read it and it's a little weird. It's like, the hand doesn't talk. What's he even talking about there? But, but we do this. So often we say in our heads, hey, I'm not like them. I don't belong. I don't bring what they bring to the table. I don't belong. We have a whole host of things that we say that keep us from stepping into community. I'm not good enough. We are our own harshest critics. No one knows your sin like you do. I don't know enough. Some of you are fearful to step into this community because you think the person beside you like has the Bible memorized because they know how to eloquently pray like Sarah, right? Sarah's been walking with Jesus for a long time. Like we, we, we do this all the time where we, where we speak these lies to ourselves that keep us from stepping into the kingdom, the community that God has for us. We so easily compare ourselves to others. I don't serve like them. I don't like spending my free time reading and praying like they do. I don't have faith like them. I'm not as generous as them. I'm not as encouraging as them. And we do this all the time where we go, man, because I'm not like them, I don't belong. And what does Paul say? The hand cannot say that because I'm not like, I don't belong. The lies we tell ourselves you know there's this um, thing that is happening in I think all of culture but especially in our in our Christian cultures we're trying to follow Jesus that there's this lie that is not from God's heart but yet is so pervasive among Christians and and it has been for a long time it's not something new but it's this belief that as a follower of Jesus I can do this all by myself it's this lie that we believe that that we don't need others and we might not ever say that with our words to be able to articulate it, but that's what our lives say. And I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I want you just to, to think about this. If, if you show up on Sundays and you, and you don't talk to anyone, and you don't wanna to talk to anyone, and you're not concerned about anyone else's spiritual health, where they are with God, where they are struggling, If you come here and you go, man, what can I get? What do I need? You see, we've bought into this lie that that we can fly solo. As long as I do my spiritual disciplines, I read and I pray and I give or I serve by myself. And we tell ourselves that, that that is following Jesus. And the only problem with that way of thinking is Jesus. If there was ever anyone that could fly solo spiritually, it was Jesus. We're talking about God in the flesh here. And Jesus comes to earth and one of the very first things that he does when he starts his his stepping into his ministry, stepping into the destiny that God has for him, what does he do? Mark chapter three, he calls people to be with him. Wow. And it's not that he just uh, invited them along uh, as a favor. No, he, he leaned on these people. I love this verse in in Luke chapter eight because I think it's overlooked. A lot of times we talk about the apostles and, and their ministry to Jesus and with Jesus and no doubt it was important, but there's this verse in Luke chapter eight, one of the very first few verses and it says that there were a group of women that traveled along with Jesus and they supported Jesus out of their means. Think about that. Jesus, the one who, there's this cool story in Matthew chapter 17, he made a coin appear in the fish of a mouth, the the, the son of God could provide for himself, and yet he chose to make himself vulnerable and dependent. In the first century, women couldn't vote, had no status, and who it is, who is it that Jesus opens his life up to? Wow, what an amazing leader Jesus is. Or I think about the night before he was crucified. He invites three of his closest friends, Peter, James, and John, to come and to pray and to be with him. Wow. You see, Jesus modeled it for us. That there's something to having people around you and not just doing them a favor, but letting them in on your life, loving people. And I was reminded this week how detrimental how inconsistent this pioneer idea is with, with what it means to actually follow Jesus. Now hear me out. The scriptures make it abundant and clear that we are forgiven of our sins, that we are added to the family of God, that we are given eternal salvation because of the grace of God, because of nothing that we do on our own. No amount of praying, no amount of serving, no amount of giving, no amount of whatever it is that you think justifies you before God. No, we are given, we are put in the kingdom, we are put in the family because of the free grace of God. But I also want to acknowledge that as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to actually live like Jesus. Right? And so many of us, man, we are so comfortable, we are so cool with Jesus getting us in. And grace becomes this permission. For us to do what we want with our lives, it becomes this excuse to not do the hard things, the obedience that Jesus is inviting us into. And, 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 and Jesus says this in Romans chapter eight through his servant Paul. He says, those who are the children of God are those who are led by the spirit of God. The children of God are those who actually follow the voice of the Lord in their life. For John chapter five and John chapter six, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that those who love him are the ones who keep his commandments. And part of what it means to be the, this follower of Jesus in a context of a community is that we release these lies, the lies that we tell ourselves that keep us from enjoying what God has for us. The other thing that, the other barrier I believe that we see in 1 Corinthians 12 that keeps us from living into this community is the lies that other people tell us. So it's not just the lies that we tell ourselves, it's the lies that come from other people's voices. And you see this in, in verse I'm 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Some of you come here this morning and you've actually had these words said to you. Someone looked you in the eye and they said, you're not wanted. Others of you, maybe it's it wasn't necessarily the words, but it was actions that people had that spoke to you in this way. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was an ex, maybe it was someone at church. And I know that part of the reason that you're fearful to jump into community is because someone told you one time that you weren't welcome, that you weren't wanted, that you weren't needed. And this lie, man, just takes root in her heart. And then we self-select out of the very thing that our souls need. I was hanging out with my friend this week. He's in his mid-50s. His wife just died of, uh, of, of a disease. And he was just telling me about how lonely he is. Kids are out of the house. And he was talking to me about how loneliness is this place where it is so easy for the lies to come in and for the lies to take root and for the lies to say. And have you ever noticed that? How, how often when life seems to get hard, when things start to fall apart, when your parents get divorced, when that person breaks up with you, when you lose the job, when you didn't get into the school that you wanted to, so often what we do is we start to detach, right? Like, have you ever done that before? is it just me? We start to isolate when we sin right, when we're weak because we believe that that no one cares about us, that that, that no one is gonna help us, that no one wants to help hold us up. And so we put walls up so we won't get hurt again. We keep people at arm's distance because of lies. Lies we've told ourselves or lies that other people have told us. And I love what God does. He just comes in with the truth, which just completely cuts through every lie. Verse 27, this is what he says about us. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Wow. What does God say about us? You're the body, Jackson. You're part of it. And Debbie, you're the body, and you're part of it. guess how easy it is for us to cling to the lies and not accept the truth? Even as I'm reading that, some of you are going, yeah, but you don't know me. You don't know what I did. You know, my son, Jones, he's our middle kid and our, he has an older sister and Finley does this thing where she just knows how to get under a sin. I think it's a blessing, right? If you're a sibling, you know how to do this to push people's buttons and she can do it in a way that just bolsters him and gives him confidence and she can also use it to tear him down, Right? And so, so often she'll just say things because she's a five-year-old and she's mean, right? Like all of us. And it will tear Jones up. He has a soft spirit and so he'll come to me and he'll say, dad, Finley said this about me. And I'm like, is it true? Is it true, buddy? No. You're right, it's not true. Don't let it bother you. She's just being mean. You see, there's there's something about this where where God loves. You know that 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 people and the enemy they are unrelenting. I've noticed the past month the enemy has come at me more in my sleep than I can ever remember in my life. Just just discouraging me, and fresh, like I just wake up in the morning and I'm like, why am I so just discouraged? It's because of dreams. And the enemy is unrelenting about our character and our identity and who we are in God. And I know that if you're in Christ, he's doing the same thing. He's the same bully to all of us. And so often the enemy will speak a lie to us and we just cling to it. And God says, no, no, no. I told my son Jones, I said, whenever Finley, I said, whenever she says something about you and it, and it, and it just doesn't sit right, you come and ask me if it's true. I said, there are going to be people at school for the rest of your life that are going to say things. You come to your daddy and you ask him if it's true. And for us to be people that, that learn to go to our daddy. God, is this lie true? Do I matter? because I really believe that, that, I've, that I'm insignificant to this body. I really believe that, that the person next to me is more important than I Is that true? And he comes to us with the truth and he says, you're the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. If you're not a follower of Jesus, man, I pray that the Lord opens your heart today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray that you see how outstanding, how wonderful God and God's love is for you. This is part of the, the reason that we even have this church is because we want people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. I mean, no greater gift to this body than for, for you to step into life with God. And if you're not a Christian, I pray that the Lord opens your heart to step into this community. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I'm going, why is it better to live this way? Where is the blessing? And I think there are two things The first thing is this. Why is it a blessing to live in in Christian community? It's because it sets us apart from the world. Verses 22 through 25. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And most people wouldn't say this directly, but we all have people in our lives that we just don't like being around. And here's what we do. We just distance ourselves from them. People who aren't like us, people who talk too much, who don't listen, people who don't vote like us, whatever it is that you, that, thing that separates you from people, we all have these categories. We probably don't have the, the courage to say it with our words like this, but so often what we say to people because they're not like us and we don't want to be around them is we're saying the very thing that Paul says here in verse 12. We're saying, I don't need you. It is so easy to be around people who think like us who have the same Enneagram number as us, right? Who are the spitting image of us, but the body isn't about us. You know, when we step into community and we're asking questions like this, hey, who's gonna notice me? Who's gonna help me? Who's gonna make my life better? We're just missing it. We're asking the, the wrong questions, but, but when we come into a community and we, and, we, and we go, man, before I want people to hear me, I wanna hear them. When we come into a community and we go, man, this is the place where, where people who are hard to love, if they can't be loved here, where can they be loved? When we care about not just those who are easy to be around, people who are funny, who are smart, who are encouraging. Like you don't have to twist anybody's arm to be around people like that, right? We're naturally drawn to those types of people. But when we care about every person, when we learn to honor and recognize that each person is valuable first and foremost because of what God has done for them and what God has said about them as someone who Christ has died for, then it frees us. It helps us see other people, not just think about ourselves. It keeps us moving in step with Jesus, who didn't just walk around on earth with his head down going, man, this sucks, I'm going to have to die, and these people don't even care, and, and I'm rejected. And you, you didn't see this thing with Jesus only thinking about himself. He's walking around, and he's, his eyes were open to the needs of others. And so don't hear me saying that stepping in community, we just ignore our stuff. No, no. We come into the body because we need the body. The body is there for us in our struggles and our heartaches and our pain. But I go, man, the body is gonna be aware. You're gonna have an opportunity to speak into the things that, that you need help with. I go, how do we come into the body? Think about a house church that Court and I led. And honestly, if I were to describe it for you, most of you would go, I do not wanna be a part of that house church. Most weeks it was between five and seven people. Two of those were my wife and I. Some people in that house shirts that we were in, they talked a whole lot more than they listened. They didn't have great social awareness. They're pretty pessimistic, pretty hard to be around. And in the eyes of the world, what you do when people like that are around, you push them away. They're weaker, they're not needed, they're not important, but there's something that happens in the body of Christ where you realize, man, there's probably some things going on in their life that maybe their whole life they've been treated that way. And so we get in and and while I wouldn't describe it as like the most fun experience that we've ever had, there's something that really happens on a heart level that I would never go back and change because you realize that they begin to open up and you realize, oh, they're like this because of some of these things that happened in their lives. there's love and there's care and there's concern. And it sets us apart from the world. When we treat people who deserve no honor, the same honor. The second blessing that, that, that comes is, is this is how we were made to live. It sets us apart from the world, and this is how we are made to live. I love this in verse 26. It's so powerful. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Let me ask you a question Have you ever been a part of a community that suffered together well around Jesus? My wife and I, in between our second and our third kid, we had a miscarriage, we lost our baby. And one of the most comforting things looking back on that season, besides Jesus, was when our community didn't just hurt um, for us, but they hurt with us. One of the most comforting things, the thing that that happened in that season is that we realized that that our community, they weren't just sad because we were sad. They were sad because they with us love that baby. And they were looking forward to meeting that baby. And there's nothing like the body of Christ suffering together. Why? Because the body of Christ has this way to remind us that there's hope. And the things in this world, they don't always turn out the way that we want or the way that we hope. And so we stay in that together. and We suffer well together. We don't pretend and we don't tell people, get your stuff together and then come back. No, we say, I'm going to sit in this with you. And we let our hearts hurt together. And then when God is ready to deliver, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it when God comes and when God brings a deliverance that only God can. There's a love, there's a trust that is formed. When Jesus is at the center of a community that is suffering together, You see, but it's also, I love what he says, it's not just about suffering, right? This is life that that people beside you are going through hard stuff and you might not be going through hard stuff right now. In fact, it might be the best season of life that you've ever been in and that's a weird tension to live in. How do I hurt with my friend but celebrate for us? I love that he says, hey, when, when you suffer, suffer together, but he also says this, If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. He doesn't say when one part is honored, every part is honored. No. When someone gets a promotion in your house, church, there's not jealousy, there's joy. When someone gets recognized, there is celebration, not sadness. When someone gets in the med school that you wanted to get in. When they get the job that you hoped that you were going to get. When they get the girl that you wanted. Only the body of Christ. Only the body of Christ can celebrate that way. And it only happens when Christ is living in us. It only happens when we understand that Christ has died for us, that Christ has said, you are my son and you are my daughter and I've prepared a place for you in heaven and I'm coming back for you only when we are so unbelievably secure that the son of God risked it all for us. He laid down his life to forgive us and to free us and to include us. Only when we understand how loved we are by God do we not have to be jealous, but we can lift up other people around us. And we understand that when we lift up people around us, we're becoming like Jesus. That is what he did. You know, with House Church this year, my hope is that every person here decides to join today. And some of you, you're gonna hit the jackpot with House Church. Some of you are gonna be like Colin. Colin joined a House Church. He met Alyssa and he married her, right? Didn't even know she existed. And and some of you, that's going to be your story in house church. You're like, I hope I get in that house church, right? Some of you are going to hit the jackpot. Some of you are going to hit the jackpot. You're going to get in a house church, and you're going to end up being just this incredible group of friends. And you're going to stay together for the next six years. Some of you are going to hit the jackpot. John and Jenna experienced that. You can ask them about the house church. Some of you, you're going to hit the opposite of jackpot. You're going to have a year of, of walking and people keeping their guard up. And you're going to walk into a house church and people who are not going to think like you and talk like you. People who maybe you don't love being around. But I'm asking you, will you be more concerned about the body, about others? Will you choose to die to yourself this year? If so, I believe the Lord will do some of the best work, some of his best work in your life. Should you choose to go into this year going, you know what? I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to love the people around me, no matter how difficult or frustrating they are. Here in just a minute, we're going to take communion. And if you're new with us, we do this every single Sunday. We take a piece of delicious bread. Amen. Those of you who've been here for a while and we eat a piece of bread and we drink a cup of juice and, and, and we take the the body of Christ, the blood of Christ together. And, and you can do that in your seat. You can scatter around the room. You can sit on the floor. You can do whatever you want. But this is a meaningful time for us to, to not just hear the scripture, but to respond and to talk. And so I want to invite you as as we take communion. I want to give you this question to, to talk about. What hesitations do you have about getting in a house church this year? What are the things that are keeping you that you're concerned about? And with the people you're taking communion with, pray about those things, bring those things into the light. Some of you, you're gonna answer that question and you're gonna be none. You're like, I don't have any hesitations. I'm leading a house church. My house church is full. I'm ready to go. I know the plan this year. I wanna invite you to think about the question, who do you need to invite to your house church this year? Who is that annoying coworker that needs the body of Christ? Who is that neighbor that is so unbelievably lonely and you know that if you invite them it's going to throw off the dynamic but for their sake they need to be a part of it. And as we take communion, let's wrestle with these questions. If you come here today and, and you go, "Man, I just I'm broken right now." Yeah, you know, this is uh, we have these phases in life, these seasons where we just we need someone else to help hold us up. We can't even pray for ourselves. We all go through seasons like that. If that's where you come this morning, there are gonna be some men and women at the back. We'd love to pray for you at the respond banner. There's no shame. That's not the shame banner. It's not go back there if you've done something terrible. No, it's go back there if you need someone to just pray for you and to hold you up. Someone to pray for us and then we'll take communion. They'll we'll get back up and lead us in some worship. So, Father, it, it sounds so good, Lord. Like, even me talking about it, like I'm like, it's not like a car salesman, like I want to, I want to do this, and, and I know that in October, and November, it's going to get hard, and there's going to be moments where I want to just hit eject, and, and I pray, God, for my heart, and for the hearts of my sisters and brothers in this room, that our hearts would just be so in tune to you, and that we would care more about the way that our lives and our church is actually bearing witness to the kingdom, then we do our own preferences. God, would you forgive us of all of our sin as we take communion? Would you lift us up? Would you encourage those in the body who are suffering right now? And God, let them be met with people who are compassionate and loving. And we'll sit in the hard stuff with them. God, we are your family We long to see you. We long to be with you in glory, in your glory, where there will be no pain or sadness or tears or disappointments. We long to be with you where we will worship Jesus, our King and Savior. We'll see you face to face. And as long as you have us on this earth, God, would you help us to give you our absolute best? Would you help us to give our best to the people around us? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.